Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Well, hello again. It's good to have you here. Well, sort of for me to be with you is a better way to put it, right? Uh, for those who maybe have joined us for the first time ever, uh, my name is Wayne, and I'm part of the pastoral team at First Christian Church. And uh, we're going to spend some time in Scripture together today. So um, there are some, there's a tab on your online, uh, church online experience there that will take you towards Mark chapter 6. And that's where we want you to look today. Mark chapter 6, and we'll read from there in a few minutes. But um, my, I'm aware that, yeah, so that noise sounds really good, doesn't it? Do you recognize what that is? An ice cream truck, right? When, we, when, when our kids were little, um, it was a summer favorite. You, you, you probably can imagine the scene. They'd hear that noise off in the distance, and then there's a mad scramble throughout um, the house to make sure you get enough money and enough change and out to the front curb before the truck passes on by. And uh, those ice cream trucks were, I think, forerunners to a very popular fad that's sweeping the nation right now, food trucks. And I went out online this week just to see what sort of food trucks are out there. And there's some strange ones. Uh, like here's one that where they, all they sell are cream eggs. This would be perfect for, I don't know if there's a big market for that, but go for it, okay? Uh, one that, that was a little bit weird to me. I, I don't know that I want lobster out of the back of a VW, but you can have that. That's, uh, no thank you, no thank you. Or, or hamburgers, everybody likes hamburgers, right? What about this one? Would you like to get a hamburger from that place? I'm going not so much maybe. I get it, but. Uh. So what we're gonna do today as we look at scripture is we're gonna review um, a setting in the Bible where if it were in our contemporary culture, a food truck would have been great news. But before we do that, don't you wish uh, that a food truck or an ice cream vendor could drive by your neighborhood right now in the next 20 minutes? Because it would feel like a little respite from the chaos that we're facing in our nation these days. Um, we were trucking along, right? All seemed well. Um, a new year had started, the economy was growing in leaps and bounds, and if you have a stock portfolio, it was doing really well, and you know, there was more than enough jobs, and it was like, okay, this is, we're really heading into some, some sweet times, perhaps, and then some crazy, unseen, unpredictable virus from a grocer's market in the middle of Asia, the virus shows up there, and the world is turned upside down. I read just this week that... Um, Authorities have figured out who was the first person who, who got the coronavirus. Patient zero, if you will. It, it goes back not very long. 
November 17th is when this first showed up. I remember November 17th. Wasn't that just a few weeks ago? And our world has turned upside down since then. So I, I would ask you this question. In the midst of this moment, in the midst of your family calendars being turned inside out, in the midst of the concerns that you have for your grandparents' health, given their age, or perhaps even your age, what do you do? Well, as your pastor, let me say, here's the response of the followers of Jesus. We are not surprised when struggle comes to life. This particular struggle may be new, but I'm aware of this. It was a struggle to declare ourselves to be followers of Jesus. We had to say, no, I'm not going to go the way of evil. I'm not going to go the way of sin. I'm going to make a decision that Jesus Christ is in charge of my life. And Christians, we are the ones who have already one time through that event, let alone many others, we have overcome that struggle. We've overcome the struggle of saying, okay, I'm going to identify with Jesus. And to that end, we've had some practice with struggle. We are the ones, friends, we are the ones who look for God in the midst of every difficulty. And we are the people our community looks to in the midst of crisis. Here's why. We're made in the image of God, right? We, the human beings are made in the image of God. We're made so that we can reflect God's creativity. We can reflect God's goodness. We can reflect God's strength. Though so Christians also know that the image of God within us, well, it's marred. It's broken. It's cracked a little bit. And we learned that when we took on this life with Jesus Christ. When we decided that God is in charge of our daily lives and our eternal destiny, we said, okay, God, you're in charge. You're, we're following you. We're, we're, for, we're foregoing the struggle of sin, and you are now in charge of our daily lives and our eternal destiny. And so now that we've said that in the past, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you get to practice that choice. So to this end, how great is this moment today? Our faith becomes action this week. We live and move and have our being in Jesus Christ. And here at this church, what do we do? We say we embrace change. Now, I would tell you, I never imagined this change of preaching to a virtually empty auditorium. But thankfully, God has prepared us for this change. And I'm seeing this as a tremendous moment. I really am. I'm viewing this moment as the best moment for Christians because we offer help and hope and grace and open, well, maybe not so much open arms unless we've doused everybody in a liberal dose of um, Lysol. But you know what I mean. We offer hope and a, a sense of strength to our neighborhoods this week. And that's what we do. And so in light of the fact that the president has asked that we um, set aside this weekend as a national day of prayer, would you pray with me right now in light of everything that's going on? God, we come to you and uh, none of us have done this before. We haven't. But you're the God who knew this was coming and for those of us who follow you, Lord, we've got practice of leaning into you. So we'll do that. We pray for our nation. We pray for our globe. Lord, we thank you that we live in a land where we have resources and where we have medical help. We know, we have friends, Lord, in third world nations, friends of our congregation who face much more dire settings of this virus than we do. So, help us to kind of hunker down and enjoy the time with our families and our friends and
see what the coming days bring. We thank you that we can turn to you in moments like this, in Christ's name, amen, amen. So, would you take that Bible or look on that tab on the line on, that's online with you there and um, read with me beginning in Mark chapter six, um, beginning in verse 30, okay? So the, the apostles are coming back to Jesus. They've been involved in ministry and they gather around Jesus and they reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, Jesus says to his disciples, hey, come on, guys, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Many who saw them leaving recognized them because Jesus had been healing and doing all this ministry. That many recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. We'll come back to that yet later today. He began teaching them many things, and by this time it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him, hey, this is a remote place, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages, and they can buy themselves something to eat. And Jesus says, well, you give them something to eat. And they said, well, that's a lot of money. Where are we going to get all that? That's more than a half year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat and Jesus wants to know what kind of resources are in the crowd. And he says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five loaves, two fish. Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he broke them, he gives thanks, he gave thanks and broke the loaves and then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He'd also divided the two fish among them and everybody ate. They're well satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish, and they counted the men. I don't know why they didn't count the ladies too, but they counted the men, 5,000. So some notes about this passage. We're still making our way through the book of Mark. We've been reading through, book, through Mark for a number of weeks now, and if you're reading ahead, uh, you read two chapters this week, read chapters seven and eight. If you're reading behind the messages each weekend, then you need to read five and six this weekend, and uh, this week, pardon me, and um, keep, keep, keep up with us, folks. And what's interesting is that in this point of, at this point in Jesus' ministry, as Mark is recording it, it's a time of great productivity. Uh, Jesus and his traveling band of disciples are seeing tremendous things happen. Jesus' popularity is growing exponentially, and frankly, it's a problem for his team. They can't keep up with the demands and the needs of everybody, and so with people seeking him constantly, wanting to touch him, and have, you know, they want to touch him, they want him to touch them, uh, they wanted to bring healing and teaching, well, the group makes a decision, and they say, we need a break, and they get in a boat to go away. And as they go away, they arrive on shore and there's thousands of people there ahead of time. See, word had gotten out of where the boat will land and you got more than 5,000 people, it says, show up. And it's a scene like we've seen in the other chapters leading up to Mark 6. People want to be touched. and, 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 And they want him to touch them and they want to touch him. And you've got... Oh, it's, it's, I would suspect a little chaos. And then it says, we're going to feed everybody. And you can imagine if we were managing that event today. We'd have a planning team. That, that team would be working for a year in advance. There'd be staging and sound systems and 
There'd be people with ambulances close by and there'd be a, a bank of row after row of you know what, porta potties. There'd be some ATM machines, machines. Somebody would have asked weeks before, hey, what about liability? Can we get an insurance rider? And uh, we need food trucks, lots and lots of food trucks. Maybe give away free bottled water. But none of that happens in Jesus' story. Five loaves of bread, two fish. And all the disciples, when they're asked, what can you do about this? They bring up the real needs of all the people. These are legitimate concerns. Got all these people out here. They need something to eat. And Jesus says, hey, you feed them. You know, reading between the lines here in Mark, I think one of the disciples probably had an MBA in finance. Yeah. He was a whiz with Excel sheets. He'd calculated the cost that if they get up enough food trucks to show up, well, it, it, various scriptures tell us it's either half a year's, more than half a year's wages, or it's about, it's about eight months' wages. And uh, the median wage here in Macon County, a little more than $49,000 a year, which if it's eight months' wages, then it's about $32,000. That's a big meal, you know. That's a lot of food. And the disciples come up against a problem. The disciples had a problem that could only be solved by a miracle. See, here's what's going on. They see the issue. It's a legitimate need. It's real. And the only way to fix it was through divine intervention. And they learned, do not... Don't limit God. Don't limit what God can do in the midst of a crisis. The disciples learned that their limits, this big, were not God's limits. Their ideas and their potential of what they imagined and how are they going to manage this, it was all too small. I like the way in which, um, I like the, way in which the disciples' education develops. And how Jesus kind of teaches them something. They're looking around and, and, and they see the crowd. And, and Jesus says, hey, would you go and discover what the need, what the, what the need is and what resources we have? And, and I, that's interesting to me because I, I believe that's what we as a congregation have been striving to do for many years now. Some of you might be familiar with what I mean. About 15 years ago, uh, we had a consultant come to our congregation. Um, and he asked a question of us about our life outside the walls. Um, we were around about 600 people at the time on a weekend, I think, and, and he asked, if First Christian was to close tonight, would anyone other than the members be disappointed? And um, it got pretty quiet in the room when that question was asked because we immediately, with embarrassment, those of us who were there, we assessed that the answer was probably no. Nobody would know. And that moment changed us. That moment changed your church. The walls of our church's building were no longer the defining marks of our ministry. We immediately put plans in place to continue ministry, yes, inside, it, inside this building, but we made an intentional decision to say, we're gonna increase our ministry to the community and beyond, and we've never looked back. At times, we're, we're kind of, I feel like we're a little bit like the disciples at times, obviously sent by the Spirit of God to this responsibility. Go and assess the crowd. What's out there? 
And at the same time, go and look and find out what the resources are on hand and ask God. What we do is we say, ask God to solve the problems that we encounter using a miracle. Now, sometimes the problem is a one-up. You know, a family might need a home, and I've lost track of the number of families that have over the years come to us and their house has burned down or they've got some calamity within the, within the family and they're basically homeless. And we say to them, hey, we own some homes here in the community. You can stay there free of charge for a number of months and get your feet back, you know, get back on feet sort of settled again. Those are one-up issues. But we've also taken on matters that are far more long-term and recurring. And some of the issues we discovered 15 years ago resulted in ministries that are still in place today. And I'd say without embarrassment and hopefully without undue or improper pride, I believe we're using this feeding this 5,000 people, we're using that story as an example. The disciples go out, they figure out the need. We've got a bunch of hungry people. And then Jesus says, what resources are on hand? Why did he do that? I'd invite you to go back and look at the beginning of the passage about discover why Jesus was involved in this ministry. We read in verse 32 that they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. This is Jesus and his disciples. And when Jesus landed and he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he starts teaching. He cares for them. He teaches them. And through the work of the disciples, he feeds them. What does that scripture tell us? What drove Jesus to this kind of work? Basically this, a human need came face to face with Jesus' compassion. Lost sheep, they were like lost sheep, he said, harassed, like without a, a shepherd. And the lost sheep got teaching and direction. Hungry people got food. Now I get the disciples. I get say, them saying to Jesus, Jesus, we've got to get away somewhere. Let's just take a boat somewhere for your safety, for your sanity. Let's spend some time alone. And, and they land in the crowd. What's this? Oh, we were going to be by ourselves. And they've come running from the towns ahead of us. And we can't afford this, neither in money nor in just margin in our lives, in our headspace. We don't know how to do this. Surely this setting isn't our responsibility. For crying out loud, where are the food trucks? Did anyone order the food trucks? Apparently, though, if you're walking with Jesus, then the people in need are your responsibility. Apparently, the issue that's before us as a nation or in our community, the needs in front of us are our responsibility. In the past, we've said it this way, that the people of First Christian Church have a responsibility to be Jesus' tangible touch in every setting we encounter. So how should you do that this week? How can you touch people tangibly this week? Obviously, we're not supposed to touch. Well, you can offer help to those in need. And like the disciples then, we look over the crowd. We see what's there. We say, what resources do I have that God can use in a miracle. We offer help and we offer faith.
See, we don't just offer help. I remind you of that. I mean, we offer faith in Jesus Christ as well. Jesus said, offer a cup of cold water in my name. That's from the Gospel of Mark, verse chapter 10, coming up in a few weeks. We offer care, and we offer Jesus' name. Care without Jesus' name is a nice effort. Jesus' name without care is offensive. We offer both. And so, from your house this week, what are your marching orders? Be on the lookout. Look around. Be on the lookout for the place or person has a need that can only be filled and completely answered by a miracle. Jesus' touch through your hands. Let's pray together. Your word, O oh God, always challenges me. I think about the present setting we have within our land. And uh, that's one thing to say, okay, that's in Florida or it's in Washington State, but the needs are also right here in our community. So um, give us wisdom. Help us to be like the disciples to uh, look over the crowd and assess the situation. But at the same time, to step into what the possibilities are as you provide us the resources to be the tangible touch of Jesus Christ in the lives of people. God, we've not done this before. <laughs> not like this. Our nation, uh, I don't know that we could find a moment in history. Maybe in the 1920s when um, a lot of people got sick then. But we're... Lord, we're in need of your hand. And as your representatives on this, on this, in this place called Central Illinois, we pledge to be used by you in the name of Jesus. Amen.